our hope is in the blood of Jesus. I hope that's where your hope is in this morning. Um, because when you come down to the end of your life, you're going to find um, that the truth is that there is nothing else in this world worth living for other than Jesus. And there's no hope for you outside of his blood in eternity. So um, you can search all over the world if you would like. And try to find out all that you want to find out as one man did. But at the end of it, you're going to come to the reality of God, the, the self-sustaining, the only being known that doesn't derive its life from anything. God explains his life by nothing. He is because he is, right? He said before Abraham was, I am. What should I tell them? Tell them I am that I am. I'm not was because somebody spoke me into existence. I am. I'm not alive because I ate this morning and I drank water. I'm alive because I have life and I am life, right? So I don't understand that. Well, I don't either, but that's what's true. Well, how do you know that to be true? Well, several reasons. By one, because everything else is wrong. So explain that. Well, I hope to. <laughs> I won't get to all of it, but Jesus is the truth, Right? And so we'll look at that, Second Peter, this morning and try to look at some things that Jesus, uh, what me and you know to be true and some things about truth. We live in a world that has rejected all absolutes. Everything is completely subjective. Um, and so we live in a world that wants to deny the existence of an absolute, absolute truth. There is something, uh, someone, we would say, somewhere, um, and which truth exists beyond what you think about it, right? Truth is not true because you believe it, right? How do we know truth? Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus didn't even answer him. He said, if you were of the truth, then you would hear me, right? Didn't even give him an answer, but he did answer in other places of the Bible. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What a profound statement that he made. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Isn't that wonderful? In the beginning, God created. Right? And we know that to be Jesus because the Bible said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus equals God. Capital G. And so we know these things, and it's not because we've reasoned it or we rationalized it, but by revelation we believe it. Um, because if, 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 if truth in itself, which is this great uh, question that Pilate has raised, what is true, uh, there has to be something that's true beyond what you and I believe about it. Beyond your opinion, something has to be so. Something has to, there has to be a basis upon which you believe something to be true. How do you explain truth? Uh, how, how do you tell somebody who doesn't believe the Bible that it's true because Genesis 1-1 said it so? They don't believe the Bible, Right? Well, things are true whether you believe them or not, right? And we know that to be true because we believe in an absolute truth. We believe that one day, in one point of our life, we came to the place where we, we knew nothing. And we said, God, we just want, you know what was a yearning in my heart when I got saved? I had a yearning and a desire to know the truth. That's why I let the Jehovah's Witnesses in. And I said, God, I just want to know what the truth is. Everybody's got an opinion. 
everybody's, everybody interprets this verse this way. And these, these religions interpret things this way. And this group says this. And this group says that. God, all I want is to know the truth. Right? But there's only one way to know the truth. You can't isolate that verse and say, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free, without looking back up before what it said. That, uh, that then you shall be my disciple indeed, if you continue in my word. Then you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. So you can't separate the truth from who is the truth, which is God. You separate God from it, you won't know the truth. Right? There's absolute truth out there. You don't get to say, there is no, this is a statement that is love to be made in our day, uh, my truth. I've heard people say that, and that's the craziest statement to ever make. There is no my truth. It doesn't exist. Right? I came, Jesus, God said, I want you to know what the truth is. Right? So, well, well, well the truth is... Uh, 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 you know, even in morality, you say, well, thou shalt not murder. You, not, not, you should not kill people. That's, that's wrong. Well, why? Who says it's wrong? Well, I just feel that it's wrong. Well, that's not enough. What if I feel it's right to shoot you? So, so morality can't be subjective. It can't be uh, uh, reality. Morality can't believe, be uh, based upon what you believe about it, right? There has to be something that transcends time and culture and, 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 and is absolutely true at all places at all times. There has to be. You can't explain anything else. No, nothing else explains, uh, 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 you know, why we believe what we believe to be true. Uh, if everything is just subjective, then, then how in the world, and I told the boys in Sunday school, how did, the, how did America uh, go to Germany and, 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 and indict German citizens uh, for the murder of innocent people? You know what their response was? We were just doing what our government said. And we said, look, not good enough, right? You had a higher obligation to something, a, a higher morality, a higher uh, obligation beyond your government. And we killed people based on that. We, we, we judged people to death based on something that's eternally true. You should not kill people. You don't get to just, well, I felt like it was right today, right? No, no point in time. That, uh, well, I was in the heat of the moment, and so I'm sorry. Well, it's okay as long as you're in the heat of the moment. No, it's always wrong at all times and all places to murder people. Why can I say that? Because I've got a Bible. You can't explain that to be true if you take God out of that, right? There has to be an ultimate, absolute truth, or you have no basis for which to build your morality upon. You have no reason to stand on it. Well, I believe it's true because I just feel so. Well, everybody's feelings changes. This is what I struggled with before I got saved. You've got these Jehovah's Witnesses. You've got all these different truths. There must be somewhere that I can find the truth at. God would not obligate me to, to the truth and, and, and threaten me with an eternity in a lake of fire without giving me the ability to find out and to know what that truth is. Right? You've got to have the ability to find out where the truth is. And then reason, and God, now, now it's not all there in just human reasoning. There is an enlightenment of the spirit to the mind to open you up to, so I understand that. Uh, but, it, but there is an ultimate truth that can be known, and his name is God. Right? And he wants to be known. He wants us to know what the truth is. 
Right? How do you explain any, anything else? There's, there's no way to explain. I'm trying to get these young people uh, because they're getting to an age where they're going to have to stand upon their own two feet. Well, I, I, I believe the Bible's true uh, because my dad said so. Well, I understand that, uh, uh, but that may not be enough. You're going to have to stand upon the truth because you believe it to be true. And if you don't start thinking outside of video games and outside of uh, cell phones and uh, all these other things and start, don't start thinking for yourself, why do I believe what I believe? What makes it true? Right? Well, this was the way my dad interpreted it. Well, the Bible's not open to your dad's interpretation. Right? It's true whether your dad believes it or not. This Bible's true whether your preacher believes it or not. The Bible's right and I'm wrong wherever, wherever I deviate from the Bible. There's one meaning behind every verse in the Bible. It doesn't, it's not subject to how you interpret it. It's not subject to how you feel about it. People say, well, you interpret the Bible that way and that's your truth. That's, that's ridiculous. That's a, that's, a, that's a ridiculous statement. The author of this Bible had one meaning behind what he said when he said it. Right? And it's objectively true. And if you accept that, if you, if you get to a place, uh, even, even if it's self, if you try to say to me, and you try to say, well, Brother Clay, here's what I just believe. And I'm not going to attack you for how you believe, and I don't want you to attack me for how I believe, because I believe truth is all relative. Right? If I make that statement, it's a self-defeating statement, is it not? To say truth is, is ultimately relative based upon how you feel about it, it's a self-defeating statement because it, it either includes itself or it excludes itself. So you're giving an absolute answer. You've interjected an absolute and said that all truth is relative. All truth just depends on what you think about it. If you feel it's true, then it's true. If you feel it's true, then it's true. If that's the case, then, then, then the, whole, the whole logic behind your argument completely falls to the ground. Because you're interjecting an absolute that your statement rejects. You're saying there are no absolutes. And they're turning around and telling me an absolute truth is, all truth is relative. No, what you've actually admitted is what you're saying by that statement is, your statement's not always true. It just depends on whether or not you believe that statement. Are you with me? Truth is not relative to what you think about it. There is no, well, my dad was wrong about this. And this is, I've come along and I've been raised up in church and I've heard preachers preach this and I've heard people say this, but I just don't agree with it no more. Based on what do you not agree with that anymore? Come on now. Well, because I saw so-and-so and they were mean. and doesn't change what the truth is. Well, I saw people that dressed that way and acted that way and they were just mean. doesn't change what the truth is. Well, I had a, a Sunday school teacher did me wrong. doesn't change the truth. See, the truth is not subject to your feeling. God's not going to say, well, God, I feel hurt by this. And say, okay, well, I understand. You, you know, the, you're not obligated to the truth because, you know, you got your feelings hurt, Right? Why, tell me, if you don't believe, and you don't believe what we are preaching, tell me why. Based on what? Because of how you feel? Or because you have a Bible and you've read the Bible? See, I've got more respect for somebody, and I've told you this before, I know of a preacher, he stands on the RSV version of the Bible. He believes that is the infallible Word of God. Now, he's completely wrong. Completely wrong. With any uh, just light research, you would find that to be wrong. I don't think God would tell us not to buy horses from, from, from Egypt and then give us the scriptures from Alexandria. I don't believe that. 
Right? I believe he'd start in Antioch where the Grecians first got the word of God preached to him. I believe that's where it started at. But either way, at least he at least he admits that there has to be something that's ultimately true. Right? You've got to find the truth somewhere. How are you operating your life? On your feelings or because something's true? Well, I feel this to be true, and I don't feel that that, that church is right anymore. Well, just give me the verse. I, I've never had somebody come to me and say, well, based on this verse, this is why. It's always feelings. You can't operate your life, especially you young people. You can't operate your life based on feelings. You have to operate based on the ultimate absolute, and that is God and His Word. And if it's true, then you, are, you and I are highly obligated to it, and we must figure out if there's an absolute, if there's an ultimate truth, we've got to find out where that truth is and what that is, right? Now, at the end of the day, there's a lot of truths in here we're probably both wrong about. I interpret a lot in Revelation that probably even Brother Jones might disagree with, and I would probably err to the side of Brother Jones if I was you, but... But right, you're not going to always agree or disagree with people, you know, I mean, based on some things. But guess what? God's right and you and I are wrong. Right? Because the Bible's ultimately true. He doesn't let you just have your feelings about it. So you young people, you young ladies say, well, mom and dad, they interpreted these verses this way. And so this is, I dress this way because mom and dad said, that's great. You ought to obey your mom and dad and do what your mom and dad tell you to do. There's going to come a time you've got to have that in your heart. You've heard us say it. And you've got to have that based upon some truth in the scriptures. Right? You've got to search for yourself. Be good Bereans. The Bible wants us to be like the Bereans. Right? Search the scriptures. See if what's being said is so. Right? You, you don't get to say, I, I told the young men this morning, uh, we live in a society where people say, well, I feel like I'm a woman. Well, I don't really care what your feelings tell you. Your feelings are wrong. Science says you're a man. Right? So you can call yourself whatever you want to. Enjoy yourself. But the, uh, the truth, the absolute truth is you're a man. You can't deny that. You can't alter enough about your body to change what you are biologically. God made them male and he made them female. Right. And it doesn't change because somebody's subjective feelings to that are, well, I feel like I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Well, you have a mental disease. Right? There's a name for what you have. It's called you've gone off the reservation. Right? Right? And I'm not making, I don't want to hurt people. I, I know people go through life and they have things. I'm not trying to be smart, and hurtful. I, I'm in good company so I can do that. And I, I don't want to hurt people. But the reality is, I am not going to, I am not going to bend my life or what I believe based on your feelings about what the Bible says or what your feelings are about the truth. We, God said something. It's ultimately true. You and I want to wrong about it. God's ultimately right about it. And we're obligated to obey it or nothing's true. If there's an absolute, if there's an absolute truth that can be found in which God tells us that, and we know that, but if there is, then we've got to find out. If I believe there was another church in this community preaching the Bible and believed the Bible better than we did, and we didn't believe the Bible, I think I'd go be a member of that church. I wouldn't stay here. Right? Based on the truth, the ultimate truth, you've got to start, and I'm going to get the scriptures, but I want you young people to listen to me. You've got to at some point in your life, come to a place where you for yourself go on a journey to seek out what the truth is. It's what my parents said so. It's what my preacher preaches is so. You better stand on your feet because I've seen it time and time again. You remove mommy and daddy and you remove the child, they'll, they'll fall away too. Why? They were standing in mommy and daddy. 
right? And that's good as a young person. I, please, I'm not advocating any young person rebel in any way against their parent. But I'm saying in your own heart, you got to seek out the truth. And what you're going to find is what God said in Psalm 119, verse number 160, the Bible, the, 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 the word of God, thy word is true from the beginning. That's what the psalmist concluded. So why are you arguing so much for the truth? Because Peter, in 2 Peter chapter number 1, is making an argument here that he is going to endeavor that after I decease, after I leave this tabernacle, after I leave this body, which Jesus Christ himself showed me how the death that I should die to glorify him, and I'm going to make my maker, I want you to always have a remembrance of these things always with you. That's his endeavor. He wants to leave an impression in the hearts and minds of people. He said, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be going to endeavor for that. But back up before that, what did he say he wanted to do? I was not going to be negligent. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. I think it, or verse 12, actually, he said, I won't be negligent to what? Put you always in a member of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Now, is that saying, why is that important? Um, because it's not saying that the truth is only true because of the time they were in. It's not what that verse is saying. It's saying the truth that's present with you, the, the truth that you have with you. You're established in that. You know what the truth is. You're of the truth if you're saved. The Spirit of God will guide you into what? All truth. So you have the truth. You're of the truth. You know the truth. And that truth that you're established in that's present with you, I want to stir you up by constantly not being negligent to put you in remembrance of it. That was the first thing he said. I want to remind you of what things you already know. Why? Because in verse 13, I think it means as long as it's tabernacle, it will stir you up. Stir up your pure mind by causing you to remember these great precious truths. Why is, it, why is this so important? We're going to get to it because he's going to talk about we, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. Why can he make that statement? Now we know this is God. He's not inspired, but he's under inspiration. It's God writing literally in him what to say. This is God saying this to us, if you believe the infallible, inerrant word of God. Verbal, plenary inspiration of the Bible. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Peter's saying this, but this is God saying this to us. These aren't fables. Well, how do you know fables from truth? How, how does the world know the difference in what's true and what is not true? You and I know, hereby, First John said, hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen. Outside of that, Brother Tony, I had no idea what the truth was. When I wasn't saved, I didn't know what the truth was. I started looking for the truth, and God started opening my eyes as I responded to the light that I was given. God led me to the truth. And the truth I found to be in His Son, Jesus, that He is the way and the truth. But if you don't find that out for yourself, you ever stop to think long enough, why do I believe what I believe? Or better yet, why do I not believe it? Right? Why do I go to this church? Why do I go to that church? Why do I believe this doctrine? You don't think it's important? You don't think it's important to believe whether or not it's okay to murder somebody? Well, everybody knows that. Well, tell that to the millions of young ladies that go to abortion clinics day in and day out in this country and murder innocent babies. Tell that to them. Because their reasoning is, you, who are you to tell me? That's your truth, but my truth says this is my body. 
Well, somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong because if you're true, if what you're saying is true, then if it's okay to murder somebody that's dependent upon life from somebody else before the womb, it's okay to murder somebody that's dependent upon life after the womb. So let's just go to the nursing homes, everybody in a coma in the hospital, everybody on an oxygen tank, and let's just... What makes it wrong? Well, I just know it's wrong. Not enough. Because there's a Stalin, there's a Hitler, there's somebody else out here who says, I just think this is right. Right? I want to have a perfect race. I want to have a perfect thing. I think my life and the way that I'm living is right. Because I feel it to be right. I just know it's right. That's not going to be enough when you stand before God. Because somebody else feels like it's better for them if they just put a bullet in your brain. Right? Well, I thought it was better that I came to Billy's house and took all of his guns. It's better for me. I like to deer hunt, and Billy's pretty lucky all the time. I'm kidding. I shouldn't have gone there. I just take his stuff from him. He don't need it. Deer will just walk in front of him, just follow. <laughs> yeah, got to get an amen there. Right? So, so uh, but Billy's going to say, no, that's my stuff, right? Well, what makes it wrong for me to steal it from him? Right? There's got to be a, there's got to be an absolute, I'm asking you this morning, if you're unsaved, please tell me, uh, explain yourself, explain your reasoning, explain your rationalizing, explain what it is of why you reject Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. Has He not proved Himself by many witnesses? We're not followed a made-up story. Eyewitnesses saw this man die on a cross, be placed in a tomb, and when he should have been stinking, was walking freely about in the open public. Those are eyewitnesses that said, I saw this man. And not only that, I was an eyewitness to his majesty. (laughs) Well, I don't believe that to be true. You believe it to be true, but I don't. That's where it gets down to my point. That's why we have to have a discussion about the Bible because I can't have feelings and you have feelings. We, we sit here and argue all day. One of us is wrong. Either he raised from the dead or he's never existed to begin with. Right? Find me one error and we'll throw it all away. This is the truth. This is the ultimate truth. So it's been had revisions and corrected grammatical. Don't go there with me. This is the truth. Unadulterated by the opinion of any man. Spoken from the mouth of God to the hearts of people. God revealing himself to mankind. And this book says that Jesus Christ was dead and was buried and rose again by his own power. Well, I don't believe that. Then I want you to tell me why. Historically. There's people that don't even believe on Jesus. There's, there, is, there, is, there, is atheist, there is God-denying agnostics that will admit historically things about Jesus that we know to be true. You can't deny the evidence, the fact. Now, it's by faith. Understand something. It's by faith. I understand that. But I want you to logically think that what you're believing, what you're trusting in, your own good works, you can't form spiritual reality by looking in yourself because you're a flawed person. And if everybody did that, we would be where the Bible said, every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Well, that would be chaos. Anybody want to live in an America? And that's slowly becoming that. What's right to them is to totally cleanse America of Bible-believing Christians. That is the right thing to do for a lot of people. And they would do it if they had the majority to do it with. Thank God we're not a mob rule country. Right? Because if the majority got in power, they could say, well, we think it's better to kill you. Right? 
But that's wrong to do that. Why? Because the Bible said, so tell me something. Well, I'm not saved. I don't believe in all that. I just live my own life, and I feel like I don't bother you. You don't bother me. There's no eternity. There's no, I, I just reject all of that. Then please tell me why. There has to be some logic behind it. There has to be some reasoning, some rationality. Where did you come to that conclusion? Did you find an error in the Bible? I'd like to know about it. Right? Did God do you wrong? Did God fail you somewhere? I mean, t- please tell me. Start thinking about it. Why don't I believe in Jesus? Peter's going to say, look at verse number 14. Knowing that I must shortly put on my tabernacle. And he talks about being awakened by the facts. In verses number 12, he goes through and talks about being awakened by the facts. Knowing shortly I must put on my tabernacle, as the Lord showed me in verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Now, what's he talking about there? I think he's talking about Scripture. I think he wants to continue on. I think he knows uh, that the Spirit of God ultimately is going to be, and, and that was the purpose come. And I think we'll have the, because he's going to go and talk about we have a more sure word of prophecy. Right? But he said, either way, he said, I'm going to endeavor because I want you to have these things in remembrance. Thank God we've got them. Right? Even I, who wasn't uh, originally in his letter, but I was in the heart of God and I was in God's letter, can say, I have these things in remembrance because a man endeavored. Peter, he wanted you to remember some things and have these things in remembrance. We got to think, folks. We got to think about these things. God, God's not illogical. It's not irrational. Right? These, are fa- these are facts. These are eyewitness accounts of something that happened to a man that human reasoning cannot explain how a person can lay their own life down. Somebody do that today. You know what? I'm done. And just, just call it quits. You can't use nothing else. You can't strangle yourself like Anthony Bordeaux who said, my life is a fun house. My body's a fun house. And come to the end of his life and found out it wasn't too fun and hung himself. Doesn't sound, he said, my body's not a tabernacle, it's a fun house. Well, the fun ended. I want you to have these things always in remembrance. And so he goes through there and he said, I'm going to endeavor. I'll leave these things for you in remembrance. I want you to always remember them, this present truth that you may have it always with you. And then he goes on after being awakened by the, talking about awakened by the facts. And he talks about in verse 16, authenticity and not fables. Let's read it together. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, either this man's a complete liar or we better get serious about serving God, right? He said, listen, I made known unto you folks about the power and coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming. And he said, I told you that because it's not a fairy tale. That sounds like a fairy tale, does it not? To say that one day somebody is going to stand out on the clouds and there's going to be a trumpet blow, and there's going to be, well, I reject the, the, that part. Okay, let's just talk about when he comes back, right? Let's just talk about that then. The, the, the fact that he's going, to, he's, going to, he's going to step out on nothing, that he's going to, he's going to uh, he, the, uh, the fact that, that he that used to walk on the water is going to just walk on the air, right? I mean, that, that just defies logic to me and you, right? It doesn't sound rational. But he's going to step up, and this God, who was once a man and died, and, and then he arose with a body and, and, and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in the heaven, and he's patiently waiting for his father to tell him to go get his bride. That man is one day he's going to show up in the clouds, he's going to receive us unto himself, and he's coming back to this earth one day. That sounds crazy. Sounds like a fairy tale. 
if you don't believe the Bible. You have to start with a basis that the Bible is true, right? And if it's allegorical, if it's telling stories, who gets to interpret the story? It's left up to human rational thinking. If you think it means a horse, but I think it really means, you know, a white caravan, then we're going to go with the caravan because that's what I think. Who gets to... Unless God says so, he's always talking literally. He's not playing a game with your mind, hoping you're going to read a book written by somebody else to figure out what he was saying. You don't have to pick up another book. You just need the Holy Ghost, and God will guide you into all truth. And I just believe, Brother Reed, if he says a horse, I just believe it's a horse. If he says it's going to be blood running up to the horse's brow, I believe there's going to be blood running up. I just believe what the Bible says, right? I can't make it say other things. I'm just going to believe what it said. And the Bible said he's coming. Peter said, I witnessed you and told you of the power and coming of Jesus Christ. And if that's true, you better get ready if Jesus is coming. Right? Well, why should I believe you? Why should I believe you, Peter? Why should I believe you that Jesus ever was or is or shall be coming one day? Why should I believe that? He said, here's the basis for what he's saying. In his first argument, he argues for this revelation that he had. And look, go to Luke. Well, don't turn to Luke because we don't have time. My time's about up. We're just getting started in this, in this truth. And we may even go back and look at why well, so, I am so thankful that I learned where I could find the truth at. Aren't you? I didn't have to lean on anybody. You don't have to read Pink or Calvin or anybody else. You can just read a Bible. Boy, that's what the Catholics hated. Hey, you know what William Tyndall said? Here's what he said, Hunter. William Tyndall said in 1521, he graduated from Oxford, which was Magdalene, I believe, was one of the colleges that made up Oxford at the time. He graduated with a master's from Oxford. And when he graduated, he would debate these Catholic priests. You know what one thing he said? This Catholic priest said, we can do without God's law, but we can't do without the Pope's. That's what a priest said. And when William Tyndall basically said, I defy all the Pope's laws, he said, I, before my life is finished, I'm summarizing here, but he said, basically, before my life is over, the average boy holding a plow in his hand will know more about the Scriptures than you do. He endeavored. And when they would question him, this was the time of the Inquisition, this was time, I mean, evil times in which he lived, which it was illegal to do and to think of the things that he was doing and translate your King James Bible, to, I mean, to translate the Greek and the Hebrew into an English-speaking Bible. I mean, it was done by Latin, Erasmus has done his work, but here's a man who wanted to translate things into the common language so that a man with a boy, an uneducated boy with a hand on his plow could know what God said. And so he fled that country, went to Germany, was so smart that a man said that one of his eight languages that he spoke was German, and that German man said it was like it was his native tongue. You're not talking about some idiot here. I can't master English, which is somewhere between 8th and 10th grade. They say 3rd grade, but that's not entirely so. That came from a real test that was actually run, and it was absolutely between 8th and 10th and grade English. That's not very, but anyway. This is a man, I mean, incredibly smart as far as the world's concerned. This was no idiot putting all this together. And he endeavored. When he was threatened, he just kept endeavoring. Why? Because he wanted the world to remember his name? No, because he wanted you and I to be able to know what the truth is and understand it without having to talk to some priest who didn't know any more about it than you did. Right? Do you know when during his time, I believe if my memory serves me right, uh, uh, there was a test done of all the priests 
and I, I'm kind of got to brush up on some of this here. There's more to it, but I do remember this one, that most priests during his time, they actually did a survey. The majority of the priests during that time did not know who the author of the Lord's Prayer was. So you're going to put your trust in man? How do you know if he's lying to you or not? Friend, can I ask you that? Well, I just believe what my dad said, or I just believe this person. How do you know they're not lying to you? How do you you've, got, you've got something in which to try all the spirits. You, got, you, have something, you have something eternally true that you can compare and say, that man's wrong and that man's wrong. What he's saying ain't right. You've got something in your hands here this morning. If you brought a Bible, you've got a Bible. You've got the ultimate truth that men bled and died for to bring to you so that you wouldn't be led astray into error but could always know what the truth is and how do we neglect it. Peter began talking about how I'm going to endeavor that you'd have all these things to remember. Why? Because the truth is vitally important to your life. What you believe will govern everything that you do. We've got to know the truth. Boy, that bothered me for so long, but I'm not bothered by it now. I've got the truth. I'm bothered by how little I obey it, but I'm not bothered by whether or not it's so. The greatest, second greatest moment of my life after I got saved was accepting that the King James Bible doesn't contain, but is the Word of God. And if you don't start there, friend, if there's errors in here, and they're all just, just pick you one, whichever one you understand is the best one, whichever translation, whichever this is, somebody's right because they're not saying the same thing. Right? There's got to be an ultimate truth. How cruel of a game is it for God to say, I'm going to hold you to all this truth and expect you to live by the Word of God and, and not by bread only, and I'm going to expect you to obey the truth, but I'm going to hide it, and I'm not going to tell you where it is. That's a pretty cruel game. Is it not? That's like telling my little girl right here, I'm going to whip you if you do X. But I don't ever tell her what X is. Who would think I was a good parent for doing that? That'd be pretty cruel, wouldn't it? She's got to know what X is or she cannot do it, right? Well, where is she going to go to find out what X is? What if she turns to Tyler and says, well, X's don't lie. Daddy hates lying. But she goes to Hunter and Hunter says, uh, um, uh, don't be rebellious. Get up early and read your Bible and do these things. That's what X is. Well, who's right? Right? Are you convinced this is the Word of God? If you're not, you're going to stumble through your whole life. It's beyond, it's beyond what me or your parents or anything else say about it. In the pages of this book, 66 books, is the truth if you want to know it. And Peter said, I'll endeavor. He had these things with you, and we've got to go on. And we're just going to dive into this and maybe keep going with it tonight. Um, but he, here's how he starts off. Now, let's just start off where he did, and then we'll go home, okay? But, uh, if we've not followed cunningly devised fables, and we made none of you the power and come of our Lord Jesus, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. Atheists don't have that, do they? I was eyewitness of the Big Bang. Well, where did all that stuff come from that existed already to bang? I don't, you know, I don't, you know, they have no answer for, where does things come from? Right? You don't have a creation from nothing. Something started somewhere. Right? You've got to go back far enough to find out what started what. And you and I go back and we say in the beginning, God. And that's as far back as I need to go. God was when there was nothing else. Right? Well, that's simple to believe. So he said, we're not followed cunningly devised fables. I'm going to tell you why. 
Now remember, these people don't have the canon of the Scripture, right? They don't have the New Testament. They don't have the entirety of the New Testament. Uh, They're getting letters written. They had the first letter written by Peter, and he's writing unto them again. But as far as the canon of Scripture, God's going to put an end to the Scripture. There's no more further revelation. God sealed the book, and it's over in Revelation. Right? There's no more addition to it. That's going to come. But they don't have it at this time. So what's he saying to them at this time? Well, I'm going to tell you why this is not a fable. Because let me tell you what I saw. And he goes back to the time of James and John. He was back on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, we know what transfiguration means, right? Transfiguration is that word, word metamorphosis. We know when we looked at Romans 12. When that, the glory that's internal comes to the surface. What you are inside comes to the outside. Metamorphosis, right? That's the Greek word for it. And Jesus, literally, the glory of what he was in the beginning came to the surface in front of the eyes of three men. And they saw him transfigure, changed from being a normal man to the glory that was inside came to the surface. And they said, hey, it's good for us. Let's just stay here. It was so good they didn't even want to leave. We used to have some good services like that. It was so good you didn't want to leave. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about when the glory comes down. You don't want to go home. So he, he transfigures before their very eyes and they beheld his majesty. He goes on to talk about this. For he received, uh, but we're not videos, but eyewitnesses of his majesty. And verse number 17, look at verse number 17 in talking about the authenticity. He said, uh, here's, here's, some, here's the thing that really got me, and we can't do this. We'll, we'll come back here tonight, okay? But verse number 17, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. Now, where did he get honor and glory from? Because of how beautiful he was arrayed? There was like Solomon, there has none been arrayed. And was it the beauty of it? Was it the colors of his robe? What, is it, what, what made him so beautiful? What, what, how did he receive glory and honor from the Father? And here's what he said that stood out in this transfiguration moment that no man has ever seen anything like this but these three men, and they witnessed to this fact. Here's the glory that he received from God the Father. Here's what I remember above everything. He remembered a voice from God out of heaven. Now, we'll go here tonight. I'm just getting excited about it now. You know what he says? He said, what I remember above everything else in that moment, in that experience, I remember the sound of God speaking up out of heaven that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. He was always telling Peter, Peter, hush. Nobody needs to hear you. Hear ye him. I'm here to tell you, turn off all the other voices, and you better hear ye him. Jesus has spoken to us in these last days by his dear son. And if what he says is right, we're all in big trouble. Everybody in here has done enough to sin and go to hell this week. So we all better get right. I'm not kidding. I mean, you got to get it right. So we got to go home. Here's what he said. And this magic transfiguration, and this transfiguration, here's what I remembered above everything. When he spake, listen, uh, verse number 17, he said, He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the voice that he heard. Now, oh, I can't. Where do I stop? I'm trying to bring this thing into a land. And it's, this has really not been a plane. It's trying to land like a bunch of BBs from a three and a half inch buckshot. But listen, let's try to bring it together here. We're talking about the truth. Why do I know this is so? Well, you've got an eyewitness that's telling you the story about exactly what he saw. 
He's not a liar because he tells a, a story in the mouth of two or three is ever truth be established, and he tells a story that matches across the board with other witnesses. Right? And so he's now it's got to be on that, it's got to be by faith. But this is not cunningly devised fables. Nobody's making this up. This is an eyewitness account. You can choose to reject him if you want to, but he said, This is what I saw. I saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw Jesus and I heard a voice from heaven. Now, this is an unmistakable voice. You could say, Well, maybe he heard, maybe James was back there going, This is my beloved son. Something I would do to my kids. I got this ring video doorbell, and, I, and when it goes off and I see him walking by, I'll get down there and be like, What are you doing? I like doing that. That thing goes on. And uh, you know, maybe you could say, well, somebody's playing a trick on him. This is an unmistakable voice. There is no way somebody just said, well, I think this is what, and I'm assuming that it was God. No. Just the sound of it has been told us in the Bible that it was a sound of many waters. It is the sound of a trumpet. We're talking about a voice so powerful that it shook the earth. The voice of God. And it will, once again, shake not only earth, but heaven also. That those things which cannot be shaken will remain. We're talking about a, a powerful voice. Who when he speaks something, even the, the Bible said, the wind and the waves obey this man when he speaks. We're talking about the power behind what he says. So it's an unmistakable voice in that you know what the sound of it is like, nothing you've ever heard. They've tried to, I wrote down some of these different places, and we, we, uh, we can't, but uh, it talks about the hailstones and coals of fire. It sounds like the, uh, the army, an army approaching. Um, it, it, it sound was, the voice of him was so loud it reached under the outer courts. It sounded like lightning. It sounded like thunder. I mean, people have given an explanation. This wasn't somebody making something up. This is an eyewitness who not only saw a man change from something that he was to something that I had never seen before, and then I heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son. And the sound of many waters and the trumpet, a voice so powerful that when he stepped out into nothing, he spoke creation into existence. He opened his mouth. You know what you need this morning? You know what you need more than anything in your life? You just need God to speak one word from the power of his throne. The power of the Word of God. I've been there. I know the power that God has in His voice. He can speak something and change your life. Lazarus, come forth. If he didn't say Lazarus, I believe what the old preachers did. If he didn't say Lazarus, I believe every one of them graves would have opened up. <laughs> That's how powerful his voice is. Well, you're crazy to believe that. Okay, then you tell me why I'm crazy to believe this. Because there come a point in my life that I had to accept that every man was a liar and God was true and there had to be something that was true outside of man's opinion. And I found that in a King James Bible. Amen. Tell me why it's crazy. I got an eyewitness account that says it's crazy. Where are your eyewitnesses that say it didn't happen? Where are they at? Well, I just believe it's irrational. It's not logical. Well, if you want to live on feelings and ration and logic, go ahead. I choose not to. I just wanted to believe the truth and live in the truth. I want the truth. The truth made me free. He said this sound. I want to go back to the Psalms. I want you young ladies to understand what happened when God speaks. When God opens his mouth. He said that's the most recognizable thing in the world. And he's going to go on. You know why this is so important? What do we call this? The word of God. Psalm 119 has what? 176 verses. Does it not? Psalm 119. It's got 176 verses. It's got 22 stanzas with eight verses apiece. There is 
vast number of synonyms. I believe 12, 10 or 12 synonyms that's used for the Word of God. And one of those synonyms that's used to refer to the Word of God is His statutes. It's used 21 times in Psalm 119. And you know what the word statutes means? Something that is etched in stone. Something that's unchangeable. Something that's immovable. Something that is, and, and forever, oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You can't even get there to change it if you wanted to. And when you're dead, it'll still be going on. Woo! What I believe to be true isn't the opinion of man because man didn't initiate it. God moved upon men. Men didn't decide, hey, this is incredible. I'm writing this thing down. God initiated the word. God spoke first. Woo! What do you believe? Preacher, you're crazy. Well, that's fine. I am a little crazy. But what am, if what I'm saying so, if you're not saved, you are in trouble. Because my Bible said that the only way that any man will have his sins washed away and be purged from his sins and enter into heaven is by total repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. And if I'm wrong, you go to hell when you die. I mean, if I'm right, you go to hell when you die. Somebody's right, somebody's wrong, right? There's absolute truth. Kids don't go to college where some overeducated professor tells you the truth can't be known. Oh, it absolutely can. And it's absolutely true. I just want to go outside and wave it around. But well, we just get started in this. Let's stand on our feet and we'll, we'll go home. I get excited about this thing because wouldn't it be disappointing? Wouldn't it be disappointing to come to find out everything you had your hope in was untrue? Wouldn't that be disappointing? Some scholar found something in there, just made it all a lie, and you've put all your hope and belief in this book that was written, 66 books, this collection of books, this infallible God-breathed Bible, and all of a sudden there's errors and nothing can be trusted anymore. Wouldn't it be terrible to be a Muslim or a Hindu and listen to these ancient writings and listen to them tell you that the, the earth is on the backs of the elephants that we talked about in Sunday school? Wouldn't that be terrible to believe that? And only to find out it wasn't so. But it's like God said it was hanging on nothing. God created from nothing, and it's all being upheld by the word of his power. Hope you believe that. And if you do, get excited about it. Bow your head just a minute if you need to come, if you're unsaved. I want you to tell me this morning why you're unsaved. Tell me, what, what is it about Jesus you don't love? What is it there? He's given you the freedom to choose. He's not forcing you to love him. But if you want to come and you want to be saved, you can come this morning and submit yourself to the truth whose name is Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for bringing it to us who didn't know what the truth was one day. And you brought it to us. And we submitted ourselves to it. Now we have in the most un, ungrounded, unsettled of times that we've ever seen where men are tossed to and fro and they don't know what's going on, your people can have joy and peace in all the midst of this because we have the truth. Thank you so much for the truth. We love you in Jesus' name. Brother Reed's going to sing a verse. If you need to come, you just mind the Lord and you come. Brother Reed.